This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So over the holiday, before I actually got the chicken pox, I was watching on Christmas uh, Eve this whole thing about Jesus and religion and stuff, the origins of Christ and this and that. And I saw this woman on it. I was like, I see her. She's on MSNBC a lot of times. She's on CNN. She's always talking about different things, not just religion, but this is her belly wick. This is the thing that she is good at. She is the author of Women in the Church of God and Christ, Making a Sanctified World. Let me welcome to the show, graduate chair, associate professor of religion studies and Africana studies at the University of Pennsylvania, y'all. Anthea Butler, Dr. Butler. Hey, welcome. Thank you, Karen. Hey, 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 hey. Listen, listen, listen. Before we get into religion, though. Yeah. Because you're, you're brilliant. I love I love your take on so many things. Uh, Kamala Harris had a rally. Uh-huh. Right? In uh, California this weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of people showed up. Sure nice. Did. Gave some speeches and uh, gave a speech. I got a bunch of clips that I'm not going to play. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Um, your thoughts on Kamala well, I think it's going to be very interesting. But there was one thing yesterday she said that I thought was a nice throwdown, and I'm probably going to write about it, which is this. She said, uh, talked about slaveholding religion. She talked about Frederick Douglass. And I thought, well, this is, a, this is a fireball coming out right now because she's coming after the evangelicals on the on the right. And I think this is going to be a very interesting thing. But it's also going to be something for uh, black church folks to contend with because as much as they like to say they're Democrats, Sometimes some of them are into slaveholding Christianity. Ooh-ooh. And yeah, I'm going to hurt oh. some people's feelings today. Okay. And um, yeah, I think she's going to be very interesting. I, You know, people are asking already, well, who are you for and everything else? I, all I can tell you is I'm not for anybody who ran before. Oh, so that leaves the field open. That leaves the field wide <laughs> open. So, you all know, right. I don't so want to. So a whole bunch yeah. of seats are yeah, going to be had. There's yes. a whole bunch of seats that are going to be had. Why is that? Well, I Dr. think Butler. part of the thing is, is that I think back in 2016, we saw Hillary Clinton you know, go after a lot of the black church votes. She got it, obviously. We had Bernie. They got a lot of the young people who were tired of church and everything else, and they went for Bernie. But I'm looking at both of them. I'm like, we need some people with some energy. And, you know, I'm I'm older, but I really think right now what we need in this nation are people who have energy, new ideas, things to think about, and people who are willing to go toe-to-toe with some of these people on the right in a different kind of way. We don't need anybody who's trying to go get the same old folks that, you know, the same 10% of these dried up folks that we all try to they all keep trying to get and they right. forget about the rest of us right. right well because the notion is well we gotta go go get the working class white men who yeah. are in their feelings and you know right what? now and I'm sorry we have to get them because that, that's the that's the we need the working class white men because that's who Trump is appealing to we gotta make them feel better well, about you, about everything right, right. And, and I'm like can you make me feel better about something because I'm a working class black woman and I really need to feel better about some things and I you working know, class Dr. Butler well, you're a professor yeah. at UPenn look Look, I worked as hard as anybody else. I don't mind saying I'm working class. I really don't. I mean, you know, people always think professors, Ivy League, we must be really something. But, you know, I think part of that comes from an elitist idea about what people think we do. And I mean, I work hard. I don't work the same way that other people do. And yes, this might look like a white collar job, but, you know, I got to pick up my books and take them from back and forth from the library like everybody else. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, unless y'all got some of y'all out there want to help me out and be my little assistant or something, then I I could think of myself as being like real white collar. How about that? Follow her at Anthea Butler, AntheaButler.com as well. Okay, so let's get to this God thing. Because I didn't pick up the knock on 
evangelicals in that speech, but you are, you have your ears tuned up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me about, um, and I'm doing a religion series. I just kicked it off last week. I talked with a Catholic who was atheist Mm -hmm. who converted. Um, You did a a beautiful job breaking down how we got to this modern day version of Christianity. Can you give us like a a cliff note version of what you did on CNN over the holiday? Oh, oh, the CNN thing of the Pope thing? Yes. Oh yeah, that was great. Well, actually what happened was there's a six part series. I'm trained like a church historian, so I know 2000 years. So part of it is- You know 2000 years of 2000 years of Christian, 2000 years of Jesus, and but actually it's more than that, 2000 years of a bunch of messy people. Okay, so because that's what the church is, a bunch of messy people. And I know people don't like to hear that, and especially the papacy is kind of messy. So, you know, essentially we talked about the history of the papacy and what it did and all that. And up to the present time with Pope Francis, who's dealing with a lot of stuff in the church, you know, vis-a-vis all the sex abuse scandals. And if you think that this is like, oh, this is something that's only happened in the last hundred years and blah, blah, blah. No. If you go back to the rule of St. Benedict, he was trying to keep the older men from the younger ones because he knew that they were messing with each other. Okay. So go look that up. Yeah, that kind of messy. So, I mean, church is not just, you know, a boring history. It's a really interesting history of Christianity. And I think a lot of times people just think about this as, oh, I'm just reading my Bible and that's it. And there's a lot more to learn. So when you think about Constantine and you think about, you know, we were celebrating Christmas because, you know, there was Mm -hmm. a pagan holiday uh, that he was like, hmm, let's see if we can meld these things together so we can make this easier. It was a strategy. It was a political strategy, not a religious one. So the reason why we celebrate Christmas when we do and Easter when Mm -hmm. we do winter solstice, summer summer solstice, um, a lot of it has to do with pagan, you know, Christmas trees and Mm -hmm. all of that, Yule logs, all of that, all pagan. Mm -hmm. But we willfully accept it and it's weird. We don't even challenge it. Well, I think people willfully accept it because they don't know where it's coming from. First of all, second of all, you're too busy spending all the money you made all year long and getting your credit run up so you can buy Christmas presents but that don't have nothing to do with Jesus neither but you know I think really you know part of this is about people don't want to see these antecedents to Christianity that actually inform Christianity I mean if you look at you know let's let's scare everybody let's talk about Isis and Osiris right so if you look at Isis and Osiris and a picture of Mary and Jesus together you know it's the same That's kind Egypt- of Madonna yeah the Egyptian god goddess right and her son if you look at them right together they both have the same kind of iconography, right? So it's not a surprise that Constantine does this, but I'd like to talk about the person who I think is really more responsible, who I actually just saw his throne last month when I was in Germany. And that's really... um, Basically, when you get to the coronation in 800, where you marry church and state together with not just, you know, we think about Constantine, but you actually have to think about what happens at this moment when the empire that's happening in Germany comes together with the papacy. And when that happens, that's a whole different kind of ball game. Okay. And that, that marriage, that was an intentional marriage that put together religion and politics. And so when you think about, you know, the queen of England's, let's say she doesn't get to be the queen. Queen of England, unless because she's also the head of the church, right? You know, so we have to think about all these things that happen wow. over all of these years, and the reasons why people do certain kinds of things, and why you know you've got kings and queens in one place, and you don't have them in another place. You know, in America, we have freedom. People came here because they wanted to have freedom to worship the way that they wanted to, that they didn't have in England. You know, in England, black people got shipped here on slave boats, and they, you know, that were christened. Yeah, yeah, that were christened, and some. <laughs> but you know what? Well, here's what's gonna scare you. 
you. Some of them came here, they were already Muslim, and some of them came here and they were already Catholic. So we have to stop thinking about everybody came here, tabula rasa, and it was just African traditional religions because it wasn't just that. Right. Well, and, the first so, Christian yeah. was Ethiopian. Mm-hmm, exactly. So I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, religion and we're talking about the history of Christianity more specifically, we have to start to think about there's a lot of things that are flowing into this. You know, I'm learning things new every day. I'm a professor, but I still learn things and I still learn a lot when I'm teaching my students. So, you know, I think people need to be open to some new ideas and some new thinking. Talking with Dr. Anthea Butler. She is the graduate chair and associate professor of religious studies and Africana studies at the University of Pennsylvania. So grateful that she came here today. Um, King James, that Bible. Yes. Oh, good Lord. Um, just real quick. We're doing cliff notes. We're doing drive-bys today. Yeah, we're I just gonna wanna, do drive-bys. Just a little bit. Stop. You know what? I'm going to tell y'all right now. I'm going to hurt your grandmother. I'm going to hurt your mama's feelings. Put the King James away. That's not the greatest translation you could ever get. First of all, it's a translation that was made at the end of the 1500s into the 1600s. It's in Old King's English. They did not have the command of of uh, Greek or Hebrew or anything else that they needed to. Aramaic at that either? Aramaic at that particular time. <laughs> and so what you get is something that sounds good when a black preacher breaches to the back of his neck and start squalling and going on <laughs> you know what happens right but <laughs> let's let's just be real that's not a good translation okay so if you really want to get something that's a good translation start to look at the you know new international version there's tons of versions out here that you could read but leave that king james alone leave the new king james alone i'm sorry i know y'all love it but you know leave it alone and and they're they're actual like whole passages take so so the bible is one big they actually had a council that decided yes. what, what, what was in and what was out. Right. But, but even before men, all then, men, right? Yeah, of it's, course. Ain't no women there. Right. Are you so, so they decided this is good. This is not. They were all human. Yes. Human beings. Mm-hmm. Flawed. Mm-hmm. So the book that we call the Bible that many people said is the actual word of God inspired, mm-hmm. inspired by God. Written by men. Written by men. Written by men. Some of them got the stories right. Let's let's take your let's take your uh, four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, they derive from one document called Q. That is the sayings of Jesus. We basically think that there was some document floating around out there after Jesus got done, and they said, okay, these are all the things that Jesus said, and each one of those authors put it together the way that they wanted to because they saw different parts of who they thought Jesus was. Now, do we know if it's all true or not? No, but we do know that there's one probably one source document out there that we've never found before. But there's this, all these apocryphal gospels, you know, there's all kinds of things. You know, the Ethiopian Bible looks different than a regular Bible. The Catholic Bible looks better. They have the book of Enoch in there, which people talk to me about all the time. They're like, what about those gods? What about this? What about that? And they're asking, is this stuff true? And I'm like, you know, somebody wrote it for them. It might have been true. Maybe it's not true. We don't know. So don't black know. people. Because yeah. uh, if you, you can't see her, uh, we're on Instagram live with uh, mm-hmm. Anthea Butler as well. So you can follow me at Karen Hunter Show. Uh, and then you'll get to see her beautiful mane of silver. <laughs> her hair is like silver fire. For black people, and I, yeah. and I get this all the time. So I believe that there is a higher power. Mm-hmm. I believe there was a man named Jesus that walked the earth. And yeah. I believe he did some amazing, wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And I follow his teachings. And I think that they're sound. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Christianity is a white man's religion. And I do not believe that even though people use the Bible to enslave us, that that was the the sole purpose of Christianity. So I don't reject it. Okay. How do you feel about that? 
I think that's why a statement. I mean, you know, when we start to think about where some of the Gospels came from, I mean, Mark, you know, goes down to Egypt. You have all this stuff. If anybody's ever been to Ethiopia, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, those churches were down there, 5th, 6th century. By the time the 12th century came, they had a big flourishing Christian, you know, tradition there. Lalibela, Aksum, this is where some people think the Ark of the Covenant is. You, I mean, Augustine is from, you know, Carthage. That ain't, you know, Rome. It's North Africa. Okay, like, hello, he probably was black. That's where so, um, Hannibal. Exactly. Hannibal, Hannibal came from there. With yeah. his elephants mm-hmm. conquering yep. all that part of Sicily so, while Sicilians are mad now. I mean, I think mm-hmm. part of part of this is about really educating people to start opening up. I mean, and there's a whole history here about how Islam comes through, um, you know, what Muslims think about Jesus. They think he's an exalted prophet, but he ain't God. You know, he's not the Messiah. You know, Jews don't think Jesus is the Messiah. People have to start contending with what they believe. And I feel like a lot of us don't ask the questions that we need to ask. You just take what your grandmother, your mother told you or somebody else or your grandfather, maybe even. And then you decide, you know, you're going to follow that until you get your heart broken because you don't get the prayer. You want to, you know, you've been listening to that prosperity gospel preacher and you gave your 10 percent. You still living in a shack. Oops, did I stay there? Did I step on you? Wait a minute. Hold on. What questions? We're we're here with Dr. Butler. What questions should... Because here's the thing, Mm -hmm. right? And I believe this about everything. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're made of until you're tested. Yeah. Right? So people can talk tough. I'm Mm -hmm. this and that until you get punched in the face. You're like, oh, okay, I can take a punch. Or uh, I can make it through this. Until Mm -hmm. you are under stress and duress is when you get to see. So I I feel that way about God, too. Until your God is tested, Mm -hmm. then you you don't really know whether you have faith. In I, a thing. I think that's true. And I also think that, you know, faith is not just about, you know, blind obedience. Faith is about asking questions. Faith is about reading. Faith is about trying to educate yourself the best that you can to learn something. And so some of people are sitting in churches where the word been as dry as hell for years and they haven't gotten anything except pain and suffering. And, you know, some people have turned away from it, which is fine. I'm not mad at anybody who's done that. But I do think that, you know, there's a lot to be said about people who may even leave Christianity to explore other things. And I think that's experiencing a renaissance right now of people trying to figure out, you know, how do I fit in with what I think African traditional religion is or Yoruba or, you know, Vodun or whatever it is. People are trying to figure that out. It doesn't mean that that makes them bad. It doesn't mean that it makes them evil. It means that people have spiritual experiences and they experience them in different ways for some people jesus is always gonna be it that's it and that's fine too why the fights right so this is the thing that both disturbs me and chills me at my Mm -hmm. core that people are willing to kill murder destroy decimate whole groups of people over this thing that Mm -hmm. is at best an agreed upon set of doctrine maybe sometimes sometimes right sometimes but that We've had crusades and mm-hmm. all all manner of murder and mm-hmm. mayhem throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia. Yeah, I think one of the ways that I like to describe this in class is that I'm like, you know, the, the natural thing is to say religion is the cause of all the violence and everything else. And I like to tell people, I like, so what do you think human nature is? So in other words, what I'm saying to you is that religion, just like everything else, is a tool. And you could use that tool however you want to use it. You could use it for good. You could use it for evil. My question is, is what is going on with people, period? What is your psychological state? Why do you do the things that you do? Why is it easier for people who are Christians, some of these Christians in this country, to pretend that immigrants are horrible and terrible and don't bother to think that they might, too, love God and do other things? And this podcast is brought to you by Care Of. 
And you can go to TakeCareOf.com, use my code Karen30 for 30% off. 30% off what, you ask? Vitamins, proteins, and more. And they personalize it just for you. You just have to take a quiz. It takes about five minutes. And they'll ask you questions about your health and your goals, if you're working out, uh, if you're getting enough sleep, if you're getting enough sleep. And then at the end, they will give you a regimen. And it will then be delivered straight to your door. Everything that you need, packaged perfectly, so every day's lined up. And uh, let me just say this because I didn't realize it at the end, but some of the pro- product, some of the products have um, soy. Some of the products have soy. Some have gluten. So make sure you're specific that if you don't want soy or gluten, tell them that you're allergic to it because that's what I did. But check it out. Um, it's really innovative. It's cr- it's great for those of us who are on the go and we need to you know get our vitamins in and our nutrients. It's nice to have a program that actually considers you individually because not every vitamin is made the same. So check out TakeCareOf.com. Enter Karen30 for 30% off your first purchase. TakeCareOf.com. Enter Karen30 for 30% off your first order. Give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. TakeCareOf.com. Karen30. So I think this this is about other prejudices and other things. You can't blame everything on religion. No. You know, and I really do think that that's a facile, simple way of thinking about what happens with wars. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that are going on in the world right now that have, you know, religious impetus to take Boko Haram in Nigeria. They have a religious impetus that they want all the Christians out. They want to practice Islam the way that they want to. They don't want women to have education. They think about strict Islam. But at the same time, you have a lot of people who are not that way. You got a lot of white supremacists who think about Christianity as a way to get rid of everybody else. That's not Christianity either. So I think we have to start to be really more discerning about what we think religion is doing and start to realize that people use religion in lots of different kinds of ways. How'd you get to this space? You know, um, the scholarship, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you know, 2000 years of this, right? Mm-hmm. What what led you to this as a black woman growing up where? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Texas. Uh, I grew up Catholic. So I like to tell people the greatest thing about growing up Catholic is that um, at least people let you ask questions. You might get put out of your uh, CCD class, which is the equivalent of your Baptist Sunday school, right? But uh, as I did. But at you least... You got put out? Yeah, well, you know, they didn't like me because I asked too many questions. You know, they would be telling people, you can't take communion because you're not Catholic. And then my friend took communion one Friday morning at the mass we all had to go to every week and I'm like well she didn't die so it must not they just lied to us so you know you have to start thinking right (laughs) you have to start thinking about things so you know I grew up Catholic but I've always been interested in religion it's always been a thing for me it's always was something I read about so when I decided to go back and get my master's first and theological studies at Fuller and then my PhD at Vanderbilt that's when I you know decided that this could be that because it was interesting to me and and, you know I pursued it at first I thought I wanted to be a Christian counselor and I realized I was like I'm gonna cuss somebody out this is probably not what I should be you know and I actually had a series of really great professors who saw something in me and I've always wanted to write I've always been a writer I wrote when I was little so I think that for me this was like the culmination of everything because I used to just read tons of history books my mother was a history teacher I loved all of this stuff and for me religion is really quite interesting and so you know I'm happy to be able to have this career you know in that sense I feel very I feel very lucky and blessed to do that but I mean I also know that for a lot of people you know, they have to spend time after they work really hard jobs every day to try to you know, read a little bit or something like that. And I get the luxury to do that all the time. And that, for me, is really important. Her book is Women in the Church of God and Christ, 
making a sanctified world. What what is this about? Oh, well, everybody probably knows this church. You know them sanctified folks. You know, they don't wear no makeup. They wear long skirts. They don't cut their hair. You know, some of them anyway. But this is about... That's your crown and glory. Well, that's that's your crown and glory, right? But this is the history of the Women's Department of the Church of God in Christ, largest black Pentecostal denomination in the country. Uh, They have a yearly meeting every year. They used to meet in Memphis for many, many years. Now they meet in St. Louis. Folks have had lots of things to say. If you remember the guy that said, I'm delivered, that he was from oh, with that the ma- church. mother yes, of the yes. church mm-hmm. who said she, he's mm-hmm. got to stop hanging out uh-huh. with the funny people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every year they got something to say. But, you know, Kojic is really, there's some really great people there. And there's also a really great tradition of, you know, social justice there as well. You just got to try to look past the folks that wear too many, you know, sequins and stuff and wearing their St. John's knits. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you a woman of faith? I am. I don't talk about that very much because I think, you know, you people know me on Twitter because I will say some things. Right. But Mm -hmm. to me, my faith is personal. I'm not one of those people who go around and scream about this all the time because I think that that's something that, especially as a religious studies professor, I'm trying not to influence my students. And so I t- yeah, it's, because of the scholarship. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is this is about, you know, doing real academic analytic work. This is not about me. You know, people get confused when I tell them what I do. They think, oh, well, you know, you must be teaching people about the Bible. I'm like, no, baby, I don't do the Bible. That's not my thing. And it really isn't. My thing is history. And so I'm talking about history, whether that's, you know, the history of Constantine or Charlemagne in 800 or mm. is the history of the black church and R.H. Boyd, who was the first black publisher, you know, black publishing house in this country that was in Nashville. I'll be talking about that someplace next month. But I mean, you know, these are the things that I think are really interesting. And we have a lot of stuff, and especially in African-American religious history, that's really important. You know, let me give you one example of something that just happened in the news that nobody knows about, but is really good. So this little thing that happened with the Covington kids, right? Well, those kids didn't know those black Hebrew Israelites that are sort of a sectarian group. They don't get them. They have never seen anything like that in Covington, Kentucky. But all of us in the urban space have seen this before. And there's all kinds of groups like this that have arisen out of this place in America, right? Where we can kind of think through things, whether it's, you know, trying to figure out how we went back to the pyramids or people thinking that, you know, we came from outer space. Yes, we do have some black religions that think that. You know, all of this stuff is really quite interesting. And so I think there's a myriad of things out here to learn. And I'm just interested in all of them. And that's the kind of stuff I'm teaching. I love it. People got questions for Dr. Anthea Butler. She's in the house. Let's go to Carolyn in Michigan. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi, Karen. Hey to your guests. Um, I have an interesting point I wanted to make. Uh, I was in a church, a mega church, for uh, 25 years. Oh, boy. uh, They taught faith. Mm -hmm. And the same pastor is a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that Trump, he's preaching fear and he's preaching faith. How can you be on the same side <laughs> of a person? You know, it, it's, yeah. just, it's just so contradicted. And people father, continue to follow this. Yeah. And, um, and I said, the, the Christians in this country are so fearful. But their Bible tells them to fear not. Yeah. Well, the Bible tells them to fear not. But see, the problem is, is that, you know, if Trump's preaching fear. Think about it this way. Trump is all revelation. 
Trump is trying to sell you all that the world's going to come to the end and he's the only person that's going to fix it, right? right. Your preacher. So Russia's Magog, yeah, Russia, Gog, yeah. and Magog. Well, no, well, no, Russia's okay because Russia, it used to be that people thought Russia was Magog and all this other right. stuff in Revelation. According to the Republicans, they the best people since sliced bread now. So, you know, it used to be all these evangelical books would be like, Russia is the Antichrist. Right. I, I was joking through the uh, election of 2016. I said, well, maybe Trump is Nicholas Carpathia and those of you out here read, you know, <laughs> the, your read your you left behind books you know who i'm talking about right but i mean now what would you write if you were evangelical you wouldn't write a book like that you'd probably think nicholas carpathia came from you know kenya Africa. or something yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah he would totally Africa. be barack obama he, yeah. he yeah. would be the antichrist <laughs> that that's what it would be and then so your pastor is preaching faith and telling you to have faith and everything well the other reason why your church and your pastor did you say your pastor went for trump yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I, I have a feeling I don't know who this is. But um, the, your pastor went for Trump because he saw all the gold leaf in his house in Trump Towers. And he thought that God had blessed him because that means he was rich. And that was prosperity gospel. And he was he, delivered. This, he did. This was this is the inherent problem. This is what happened with Trump. All the prosperity gospel people thought that God was blessing him. They think he's King Cyrus. They think he's here to deliver them because he'd have given them a couple of Supreme Court justices and everything else. But he he ain't giving y'all nothing okay and this is the whole point is that everybody who believes in prosperity has to have what i call brittle faith your faith is so hard that if you punch it just hard enough it's gonna fall into a thousand pieces mm. and that's what prosperity gospel does to you it takes you into a place where you got to believe stuff and you know it's a lie and it does not help you and you don't get anything that the rest of these people get and donald trump is rich because he don't pay his bills <laughs> okay let's be simple so your pastor if he's for him you know that's his prerogative and everything else how do but you sit in a church like that i hope you don't sit there no more that's what i hope okay there we go dr anthea butler's in the house let's go to jeffrey in your state of texas hey jeffrey you're on the karen hunter show yeah here's the question why is it that we call messiah and we use the name of jesus and we know that that name came from from the the greek and it it, it and you know, I'm, here's, okay, here's my thought. If, if God himself came down and said, okay, um, you're going to be with, you know, told Mary, she's going to have a son, and you're going to call his name that. So my thinking is whatever that name is, that name should carry throughout history. I don't care how long history is, and it shouldn't deviate. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna read the Bible and it said there's power in that name and there's no oh, other name. Oh, dude, you know what? You know oh, listen, let me just tell you something. How is something going to carry through history? How do you carry things through history? You have people who can remember stuff. You have people who can read. Now, how many people do you think back then could be reading something, especially if you say that's what they wanted to call his name? And how many people do you think actually get to have a document and walk around? They don't get to have a Bible like you do that you could take everywhere you go on your phone on. or in your, in your purse or in your, you know, your laptop bag or in your backpack. They don't have that. Somebody has to tell them that. So however these things get messed up, up it, it, it's a what game you, of telephone. yeah yeah see but you, also this is where i'm gonna hit you in the place that you don't like you're reading this in scripture and you're not bothering to think about all the rest of the, the scriptures that are alongside of that or on the side of it nor are you considering what the history is and i'm telling you that when you look at those things in scripture one of the things you've got to do is like you need to put a lectionary up on the side of that you need to think you need to think about what the you know the um you know the tra- the original translation is you need to think about what 
what what you're reading and where it came from, the historical context of that, all of that plays a role in everything that you read. And so while it's really easy to say you don't understand that, and that's fine, but I'm here to help you to say you can't just think about it flat like this because that's where you get into trouble. Right. And I don't expect everybody to go to seminary or learn all of that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that, no, they're not going to carry this name throughout history. If you think about how many churches we have, even just to think about the Protestant Reformation, where they break away from the Catholic Church, you have church splits starting in, you know, 1060. You have the East versus the West breaking up. Then you have the breakup between Protestants and Catholics. Then you start to have a proliferation of Christian denominations. I mean, how could you keep up with one name? Did you have to, st- you, I'm imagining Greek and Latin. I didn't do really well in Greek, but I had, I, I have, I had some Latin, I, you know, you had to do Greek, you had to do Hebrew, you had to do all, you had to do okay. all this stuff. Yeah. What What's the biggest um, revelation in reading the original text or getting translation? One scripture that may stand out that is totally different than what we've grown to know <laughs> what it is versus what it was intended. Oh, I know what I'm going to talk about. All this right. is the one that right. always gets people. Um, Book of Ruth. Feet. What do feet mean? Feet don't mean what you think they mean. He he wasn't looking at her nice pedicure. Mm. Let me just put it like that. The pedicure might have had something to do with it, but we're talking about sex. So, what? you know, yeah. In the Bible. So, in the Bible. The, can you believe uh, that people had sex? Let me ask you something. Wow. Our whole religion was launched on this uh, ham narrative mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Noah Noah being drunken. Mm-hmm. Ham looking at his na- yeah, nakedness. Yeah, looking at his nakedness. Cursed the whole yeah, line. Mm-hmm. And that... And the, that's how you get a whole bunch of bitter Southerners and you get the Southern Baptist Convention and everybody Latter-day else. Or the Latter-day Saints well, who said that the... Well, they're a little come, bit different. Well, tell me. They're, 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 tell oh, me because well, they, they used a, the mark of ham. They, they use that, but their whole theology is completely different. It stands apart from Christian theology to begin with. So, you know, they got So three. they're not Christian? Well, I did not say that. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association said that they were Christian because they took them off the list in 2012 of being cults. Now, personally for me... <laughs> As a religious studies scholar, I have a lot of Mormon friends. I do a lot of I do a lot of writing about Mormonism. I, I don't have a problem with them, but I think a lot of Christians do. But their theology is quite different. And this is why you don't get blacks in the priesthood until 1978. And and part of that had to do with not Joseph Smith, but Brigham Young, who was like, well, how are we going, you know, there are black people that went across in the great trek across the country to Utah. But Brigham Young is the beginning of where you start to have this sort of racial theology that happens in um in Mormonism. So, but there's anti-blackness in Christianity too. I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, the anti-blackness is there. You have you, what this curse of Ham is, and it's all of this. If anybody wants to read a really great chapter, the genealogy of modern racism by Cornell West and Prophesied Deliverance is an old book of his. But this is probably one of the best things I think he ever wrote. He probably should have done a book on it because he tells you about how racism gets started, and and how this comes out through the Enlightenment and everything else gets embraced by the church, and then you have these slaveholders here in America talking about, you know, black people are cursed and y'all gonna be in this heaven and you'll finally get some shoes when you get to heaven, but oh boy. And, you know... So what do we do with that as What do we people? do with that? I mean, you need to throw that stuff away. It's like that woman who was talking in the church about the her pastor being for Trump. That's slaveholding Christianity. I'm gonna call it. 
is slave holding Christianity. <laughs> that you are go. willing you are willing to be for somebody like that who talks about other races like this. I'm I'm sorry. It's just slave holding Christianity. Read Frederick Douglass. Read read some people that can help you realize that Christianity hasn't always been a great religion. It has really persecuted and perjured a lot of people. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a Christian, but I'm just telling you that you have to really understand the interest. Yes, you do. Jay in North Carolina, you're on with Dr. Butler. In terms in terms of Constantine, when 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 they decided uh, to put what they wanted in the Bible, I read that uh, there was a fight about making either Jesus God or man. Yes, I can tell you all about that. That's real quick. Let me do it. Castle Nicaea, 325. Homoousios or homoousion? Is it part of the Father or is he from the Father? This is what people got to figure out. This is also the reason why you have a split between the Eastern and Western churches. But that's too long to get into right now. But let me make it simple for you. They have to decide whether Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Is he both? Is he more one than the other? And that is the that is the set the the place of the question. Now, let me let me help you out with Constantine just a little bit. Constantine does not really become a Christian until his deathbed. Okay, so understand <laughs> this, all right? He was hedging his he, best. He was, he was hedging his best, and he was still pouring out some libations to the Greek god, to the Roman gods, all right? Mm-hmm. And he was pretty much more an Arianist which anything else. Okay, so. This is where it gets complicated, right? And so that history is really, really, really important to start to think about when we're doing this. But there's people who argue about what the true nature of Jesus is anyway to begin with. So what do you think? That's easy. Oh, this is. Oh, I'm a historian on this one. Okay. I'm gonna tell you there's all these different things. There's not, not you know. Tell, you're not. You, nah, you I'm not. Sitting, all right, Anthea Butler. Let's go <laughs> one. Take two more. Let's go to Linda in Alabama. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Dr. Anthea Butler. Thank you, Karen, and hi, Dr. Butler. Hi. My question is about tithes and offering. Oh, boy. My understanding, it was never about money. It was from the farmers who grew stuff. And I want to know um, if is that how it is, and how did we get into giving money every month when we get <laughs> Oh, that's another long story. Let me make it short. You know, Malachi 3.5, bring your tithes into the storehouse, blah, 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 right? Well, <laughs> you, you're talking about a religion that started off with sacrifices, okay? So this, and you always have to remember one thing about Christianity. Christianity is a, uh, is a sect. It's not a religion in the true sense because where does it come from? It comes Judaism. from Judaism, right? And you have a temple and you got to bring some rams and you got to cut some, you got to make some offerings to this God that don't nobody know about, but he's kind of, you know, whoever this is, no sex, is somebody who is like really powerful and you need to bring your oil, you need to bring your, you know, bring your cows and everything and you make those offerings, right? So now we go forward and people start to talk about giving alms and all of this other stuff. So one of the, one of the big pieces I'm going to take you on a little side tour here just real quick. One of the things that helped build St. Peter's in, in, um, in Rome is what we call um, indulgences. And so people had to pay for those things so you could get your loved one out of purgatory or hell. And you had to pay a little bit of money. And there was a guy named Bishop Tetzel who said, every time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul out of hell springs. Now, he was like one of the first prosperity gospel preachers because he knew what he was doing. He knew how to get people to give their money. Okay, So now what you have are people who are saying, you know, the tithe means 10%. Well, you know, 10% of what you have. And, uh, 
you know, I'm working on a on a thing right now in Nigeria where one of the pre one of these uh, guys who's been out of prosperity for a while is saying people need to quit giving their tithes and offerings because it's not good. You do what you feel like in the Catholic Church. People just ask you to give offering. They don't say you have to give 10 percent every week. But those of you who are bound by Protestant preachers who want your 10 percent plus your your first fruits offering, your this offering and your that offering. By the time you get done, you ain't got nothing to offer to the, to the uh, mailman for your bills. You ain't got nothing to offer to your landlord. And this is how people end up getting in trouble. So I, my personal opinion about this is that there's a huge history about it. You need to do what you feel like. But if this thing is putting you into debt and you seeing your preacher getting a Learjet and living in a gated community and got a 10,000 foot square house while everybody else is under floodwaters, ooh, who might I be talking about right now? I don't now? know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. So if you in Texas, Texas, you know, you know I'm, who I'm, you, you know who I'm talking about. I'm going to Texas. Sharon yeah. has a call. Last caller for Dr. Butler. She'll be back on the show. I love her. Uh, Sharon in Texas, you got a question? Yes. She's awesome, and you're awesome too, Karen. Oh, thank but, you. But um, I just had a question about commentaries. Do you mm-hmm. have one that you use or would recommend? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is this is what I said at the very beginning. Um, I am not a biblical scholar. I'm a historian. So I got commentaries like Strong's and stuff sitting on my shelf, but they're collecting dust because I don't preach every week because that's not what I do. Now, if you were going to ask me what archives I was going to and what book I'm reading and what I'm thinking about and all that stuff, I could tell you a thousand things. But I'm happy to leave Dr. Hunter. You can hit me up on Twitter and I can give you a couple of good commentaries that you could look at. I've actually written for a women's Bible commentary before way back in the day, I think actually when I got out of seminary. And I can suggest some of that stuff to you too but right off the top of my head i don't do commentaries because i'm not you know i'm not looking at scripture like that and i have to be honest with you i'm not one of those people who are you know delving through scriptures for stuff all the time because the nature of the work that i do i'm doing more historical work and that's the kind of thing that i'm really interested in not a doctor because the scholarship that requires what you did I wasn't willing to do. And so I have a tremendous amount of respect for it. I never will uh, say I'm a doctor because that work that you put in is special. Um, Leave us with this because I would love to have you back. The reason why I want to talk religion with people, because I Mm -hmm. think so many of us are in bondage around something that requires examination. Yeah, exactly. I want people to be free, live their best lives, live their fullest lives. And part of that has to be breaking some of these chains. No, exactly. I agree. So you'll be back? Absolutely. Dr. Anthea Butler. Follow her, y'all, at Anthea Butler on social media and AntheaButler.com. And you can see her on them on them screens uh, when she's out there talking about politics and such. But thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Appreciate, Appreciate you. it. That was my interview with Dr. Anthea Butler. And I'm so grateful to have this space. Without it, I would not be able to reclaim interviews like that. They would be lost forever. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Please follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter, when you use the hashtag podcast, you can ask me anything on Sundays. I select a question or two to answer. And um, until next time.